welcome to episode 178 of Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. Today we're going to speak about, well, writing stories, where we started, how you start, how you develop, a bunch of questions going to be answered. <laughs> Who's going to be doing that? Well, me. Chris Ryan, and I'm a, my God, I would go way back, I'm a former journalist, and I'm a, a teacher of some experience at this point, <laughs> and I have written both um, traditionally and independently, yes, he has. Uh, uh, short stories, novels, screenplays, sketch comedy, yeah. uh, stand-up, all sorts of stuff, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Chris Ryan, but please, please. <laughs> not the attraction to the show. Are you kidding me? For that, we need somebody of a men's reputation. That would be the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and globetrotting creator of the world-renowned Aaron Blackjack Day, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s whose adventures reflect today's problems. We're talking, ladies and gentlemen, about the one, the only, the legendary, the mythic, the iconic, the currently right here, Alex Simmons. Hey, hey. <laughs> I feel like I should jump in the ring. Okay, <laughs> no low blows, no low blows. Okay. I tell you, Thank you for that huge build. Wait a minute, Chris. We got it. Wait, I got to say this just very quickly. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy, 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 happy Valentine's Day. Excuse for buying chocolate. Here you go. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And I will tell you that at this house, no excuse needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you live with the goddess, you know, really, what more do you need? We were doing an episode, of, uh, a Valentine's Day episode uh, of spousing, which I do with my wife. Which is your own? No, no. I'm, he does spousing the podcast with his wife. Pod, Be spousing. clear about that. Yeah. And well, every day I'm spousing with my wife. Spousing. Oh, look at but we do a podcast, um, and it was about what do you do when you're celebrating your 35th Valentine's Day? Ah. And uh, we've gone through different questions. And when I asked, well, do you want a heart-shaped box of chocolates? She's like, nah, it's never been my style. Just give me a Hershey bar. She's just lovely. You know, the simple thing. That's why she's a goddess, ladies and gentlemen. But we came up with um, Wrapped a in a really cool film. way to kind of romanticize, you know, a, a veteran, you know, a long-term uh, relationship again that didn't cost any money, just a little bit of thought. We had a lot of fun, and it's in the episode, so go and check out Spousing. Where will they find that episode? Uh, it, com it comes out on Anchor, so it's on all the platforms, you know. So that's – what is that um... – uh, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and yep. Spotify. Spotify, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. it's like the fourth or fifth episode. Little, you know, okay, about, okay, you know. okay. Uh, I think I put it on my Facebook page and all that stuff, and my Twitter, and and uh, and like that. Wow. Well, like that. Oh, that tells us a little bit. Uh, what else have you been up to? Because you know, what else? I, I got a funny oh, by story. the way, I'm sorry, we forgot to do this, uh, folks. Yes, he's right because he said in the opening, we definitely will be talking about. Uh, writing and how people get started and all that kind of stuff. We'll definitely be doing that. And one of the reasons we're going to be doing that is because... Um, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there was a writing competition that yours truly threw out there, you know, because I did a webinar last Friday, which was the 12th uh, on writing, and it was, you know, all that over... would be the legendary Alex Simmons yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So, it, anyway, there I was doing this, and um, one of the writing competitions that, that I put out there was that people had to submit you know, ideas for a story that they're working on and wanted to work on. And we got a nice number of submissions. And because I, you know, I'm, I, I just, no, I didn't want to look at them. I knew that to be impartial, I need to have somebody who had not met any of the uh, people who were at the webinar who submitted their ideas and all that. So I gave it to the, the man, the judge, the, the man who knows how to look at a concept to take it in, to ask the right questions, to consider it from all angles. Christopher Ryan, judge, here come the judge, here come the judge. So anyway, so Chris actually looked them over, 
and we will be announcing the winner of that competition on this show today. Really, really tight competition. Uh, six great, um, well, I guess you'd call them pitches and, or story ideas. Um, I was very impressed. Um, and, you know, I was, at one point I was like, God, Alex made me the villain. God. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I'll give him your address and you can just run. There you go. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wound up making notes on it and that kind of stuff on each one. And, um, yeah, I really was. A, it was. Because uh, that's what happened. Pretty that's cool. Happened. Yeah, and uh, we'll also that, but we're also going to talk about that 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 TV show that's pulling. Yes. yes, but let's get to let's get to what we've been up to. So, um, to? I have a funny story to tell you. <gasps> I hope Facebook doesn't hate me for this, but okay. So I have a thing. One of the other things I do, you know, you and I, we all try and keep busy and all that stuff. I have a Facebook page. The I, it's called New Milford Life. And it's just things about a little tiny town, right, in New Jersey. And uh, a real town, huh? It's a real town. It's a real town, yeah. Real town. Uh, and uh, I think it's borough level. I think it's called a borough nature, little, little thing. Um, but it's got a nice spirit and all that stuff. And I found myself over the years writing stories based on. The feel of this town. I mean, as a matter of fact, the the legendary unreleased uh, independent film that I made is Zombies of New Milford, and uh, that may, may sometime escaped yet. <laughs> yeah, that might that might escape sometime. Um, and I did a couple of stories. Uh, got a tree in the backyard, uh, like right across the fence from my, and it's got a growth on it. The growth looks like Thomas Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> And that became like a horror story, you know, not that Tom Jefferson's horrifying. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, but the whole idea of faces growing out of trees and that kind of stuff was a lot of fun. But I also, you know, I used to be a journalist way back and I'm kind of getting my chops back. So I said, let me just go and we'll do little profiles, you know, on, uh, on local things. And a sandwich shop just did a soft opening and the word of mouth has been strong. So I went and talked to the guy for a couple of minutes. Um, did up maybe 500 words, maybe 750, right? So I put it up there, had a couple of pictures, you know, of deli products, <laughs> right? It just, it's all, it's just sandwiches. The whole story is about sandwiches. So I said, let me post it uh, or boost it, right? And I'll give them a couple of dollars for book, and it'll be just to people in the town. And it got rejected, repeatedly rejected from Facebook. And it said, because we don't, you know, we no longer publish things that take on politics or social issues. Or, well, I forget what the third one was. None of it had anything to do with sandwiches. So finally, I, you know, I kept complaining and it would be automatic. Oh, we'll, we'll review it again. And whatever machine they have, you know, is just boom, you know. Um, so at one point in there, he says, I couldn't do a big opening. I wanted to like give away a bunch of sandwiches and stuff, but I couldn't do a grand opening because of the pandemic. So out of respect to the mayor and the council and the, the city folk or the town folk, I'm going to hold off until it's safer to do that. That is, must be what's being considered as political, right? So this sandwich shop story that is put out for free, no one's getting advertised, not a penny is is garnering political controversy. That's hilarious. Oh, that's a lot of baloney. Seriously, folks. Hey, you know what? You know what? That was cheesy. <laughs> but it brings me. I ain't making no bread on this. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we can just roll on with it, but you know. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Those rotten tomatoes. <laughs> so it it's a nice segue to, you know, what we've been doing lately. I've been reading a book. Uh, it was recommended to me by my friend Roger, who over my life has read like seven books to my um, every three books I read. You know, he's just amazing. And he has, in high school, he recommended more books than my English teacher's assigned to me more books than English teachers, it would always look like a drug deal. Like we'd both come back, you know, and in the 70s we're wearing the jeans jacket, right? 
And and then he'd go, hey, yo, yo, check this out. And he'd go into his inside pocket of his jeans and he'd pull out like Jack Kerouac or Kurt Vonnegut. And I would take it and he'd make no one see and it put it in my... <laughs> so the latest thing he says you gotta look at, and it's right here if, if we ever do the video of this, Charles Portis, Masters of Atlantis. And it is a ridiculous over-the-top comedy that is very how did he say it? He says, it explains how we got where we are politically today. Ah. And it's it's not overly political and it's not dark. It's hilarious. And there's a character now, like if, if they were making this a movie, I would pray that Robert Downey Jr. would do this particular character because mm-hmm. he would, it would be so hilarious with his delivery. It, it's that fun. So if you're looking for something like if you, if, if the latest thing is, you know, the last couple of weeks or let's say the last month or let's say the last five years or, you know, on we go, has gotten you <laughs> down and you need like a tonic, Charles Portis, he's the guy who also wrote True Grit, another great story. One of, one of the, should be on the, all the kids have to read this list, you know. And then Masters of Atlantis is the name of this particular book. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, what I keep looking at and rereading and having fun with, our own Tim Fielder. Oh, yeah. Beautiful infinitum. What a wild and uh, uh, talk about a big canvas. Well, we get, we got to try and get him on just so we can, you know, make him blush. <laughs> make fun of him, whichever comes first. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. What was it, Dave? What was it? What, there was um, there was a, a, a satire writer that I used to read a lot. I haven't for a while now. Of course, now I have to admit that. Dave, 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 Dave. Darn, darn. I can't remember his name right now. I hate when my mind does that to me. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, in the comment section, let's name yeah. all the Daves we can come. Yeah. I'm going to start with David Cassidy. Was it David Cassidy? <laughs> no. Wrong answers <laughs> only, please. Wrong answers oh, no. only. <laughs> wasn't Dave Chappelle either. Okay. Dave Chappelle. You know, uh, David Duke? Was it David Duke? <laughs> no. You are bad. You are bad. No. Dave, Dave Barry. Oh, Dave Barry, of course. Dave yes. Barry. That's that's one of the guys I used to read a lot. I haven't in a yeah. while. Now I got to go look for some more stuff, stuff. So that's what you've been up to. All right. So I want to know what you is you've been up to besides the kid and play look that we got going on here. <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey! My son gave me a really nice haircut, but this this virtual background here is wreaking havoc with it. So okay. it looks like there's a ski slope on the left side of my head. You know, this weird angle. What I'm can I tell you? you? I'm telling you, it works for you, kid. <laughs> but um, thank you very much. So, what have I been up to? Um, mainly, aside from uh, a lot of um, hip hop, uh, early '80s hip hop. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> that, that, that move with the swinging foot is really. Is <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of teaching, uh, struggling with a manuscript that's kicking my butt, which shouldn't, but it is, um, which is, again, the whole thing about deadlines. And then I'm also, uh, I've been doing a, um, a webinar uh, on, right, uh, because, you know, I do uh, writing, consulting, and coaching. And so I did a webinar last week, which led to, actually, this past Friday, which led to uh, the competition that we're going to talk about later, folks, and we're going to name the winner later. So I was doing that. So a lot of the prep work for that. You know, the funny thing about being uh, uh, an independent teacher or an entrepreneur or, you know, having, you know, doing, you know, being your own writer, uh, uh, putting out your own books, all that stuff, is you don't just get to do the art stuff, the creative stuff. You also have to be management, distribution, publicity department, you know, you know, plank department. You, You got all that stuff. So. Sleeping is not something I've been doing a lot of, and I'm going to have to work on that because my, my family is right. Uh, I, I'm not as young as I think I am, so I should get more rest. But like, None of teaching, us are. Yeah, that's what they keep telling us. Yeah, But I've been teaching, like I said, doing the webinar. That was last Friday. I got another one coming up. We'll talk about that later. And I have another boot camp coming up. So I've been, you know, writer's boot camp, mystery writer's boot camp. So I've been prepping for that. 
And there's a bunch of other stuff. I will say, just to take a slow, quick moment, um, and not to get mortal in, uh, but, um, you know, for anybody who's feeling, you know, the strain of still being on lockdown, still not being able to go socialize the way you would want to, being with family, friends, loved ones, uh, just being able to go hit the local bar or diner and, and relax and read or have a drink or a meal. Yeah, that's all pretty tough. It has been a year. The vaccine is out there. Use it or not, that's up to you. But the bottom line is there's some movement. But let us please, because I've been doing this you know, religiously, but not because of religion. I've been saying thank you every morning that I wake up and I'm here. Yeah. Because um, that is a blessing. That is a gift we should appreciate and stop complaining about all the other stuff or at least take a break from it. Because in reality, we're still here to do something about it, to have experiences, to, to be in some way a part of other people's lives. Uh, I've lost several friends and acquaintances over the past two weeks alone. And um, it just, you know, it just makes me more appreciative of the time I've had and the time I still have. And I just want to say that that's one of the things that I've become very conscious of is is taking a moment to say thank you i'm here yep. uh, uh this is good yeah like I said, you make a religious thing out of it just folks count your blessings that you are able to get up and, and breathe and do your thing okay and and you know we have to be grateful but we also have to be sensitive you mm-hmm. know yesterday uh tina and i you know went to shop right came back you know the tina is the goddess yeah. And um, we stopped by to grab a little bit of, you know, lunch and takeout, you know. And there's this long line down the block. And uh, there's like a CVS and a couple of the stores down there. And I said, well, you think, you think they're giving out the shots? What do you think? There's a long line. He says, oh, oh I don't know why. I said, I'm going to go, you know, because I'm nosy, right? I'm a former <laughs> journalist, right? So I'm going to go check it out. Chris Ryan, yeah. P.I. Yeah. So turns out. The line is not to uh, the CBS. It's to the donut store next door. So I, I was really, really um, inspired. And I, well, what I often do, if I'm not trying to crack goofy jokes to, you know, to amuse the wife, I'll come up with a story on the spot. Right? So I came up with a story, and ultimately I can tell it here quickly because when, I'm never going to write it. Because I wouldn't want to insult someone who lost somebody to the pandemic. Mm. Now, the story, again, I don't mean any harm to anyone. I'm not trying to belittle anything. It was just between me and the wife. And I saw the line going to the donuts. And I started narrating to her. So, you know, uh. We thought Ed Zalonsky was on his last legs, you know, it was his final days, and Gladys said, Ed, called him down from he was in the basement, because he had the, you know, he had sickness, and Ed, is there anything I can get you? Give me one of those donuts I like so much. And she did, and figured he'd take a bite and not be able to finish it, because he'd been barely eating, and it was near the end, and she was pretty upset, but damn if he didn't eat the whole thing. And it was wonderful. Ten, ten hours later, she heard him moving around down there, and she thought, this is it, this is it. But but he was up, and he said, what are you doing, Ed? He said, I'm cleaning up in here. I had enough. And he cleaned the damn whole place and came on up and didn't have any evidence of the pandemic whatsoever. You know, and as, as, quiet, as quiet as Gladys was, after a few days, people started finding out. They said, well, what'd you do? Did you get a shot? What happened? What, you know, what, was the, what was the cure? Someone found out that he had a donut. Within hours, the line went all the way down the block. Donut shop didn't know what to do. They ran out of their donuts in an hour or two and made new ones. And then the, uh, the, the shop owner had to call his, his brother-in-law and get more ingredients and kept going. The doubters in town thought that this was just a crazy phase and desperation, but damn, if the town didn't get better, 
and, and you know, within a year, everyone had their vaccinations and stuff, but the town just ate donuts and, and, and they were fine. And matter of fact, it never looked better. Why didn't bought herself a donut too? So, you know, she started looking good. She no longer had to dye her hair. <laughs> By their next birthday, all the wrinkles and the older people had kind of ironed out. Oh, it was fantastic. Within two years, things started getting real weird. Where most of the people in town, adults, mind you, they looked like their wedding photos. Then they looked younger than their wedding photos. Within five years, the entire town was empty. They had just used themselves out of existence. And it went on like that. It's just, you know, and it was it was just to crack her up like you're cracking up and all that sort of stuff. And as fun as that story is, and laid you down. As as fun as that story is, you can't you can't write it. You can't put that story out because there's someone who, you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Someone who lost somebody from the pandemic and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just telling you as an illustration, and it, it's it kind of leads into some of the stuff we're talking about today. Um, we have to be inspired, and and writing should be fun, but then we also have to be responsible. So as beautiful and fun as that story is, and as as it fits the New mil, you know, new mil, the town stories right. on one side. It's sad. I'm, I'm not gonna be able to tell that tale. Uh, you know, I, I think you know, there's, there's, there's another discussion there, but we'll have that one on a different show. Um, but you're, you're right. It does segue nicely into the compulsion, the desire, you know, the need, the longing, the wanting to write, to tell stories, yeah. and. Where does that come from and when does it first manifest and how do we recognize it and what do we do with it and all that stuff? There's a gazillion stories from different people about how that happened for them, whether they went pro or not. But I thought, you know, considering that I've been working with some, uh, you know, working with uh, students from the New York Film Academy, I've been working with, you know, my own students, and then I had the webinar and all that. It just seemed like it's a great time to sort of talk about how you and I separately sort of came into this. How how did it start for you? Where did where did it start for you? Glorious ignorance, <laughs> which is a town in Missouri. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. We were there on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were driving through. Some yeah, we were. We stopped. And we had a flat tire. Yeah. And- we got a new tire and, and storytelling. That was the two things we got. <laughs> um, 50, sir. <laughs> I've said I've said a number of times that when I, when, especially when I was young, every spring the, the planet tried to kill me because um, I was allergic to anything that was growing. And um, so I would be just like knocked on my butt, you know, a lot, a lot of times just laying in bed. And the only thing I could do, I mean, even a book, you know, you'd get one of those uh, uh, like the, not savage, one of those old bantam uh, uh, paperbacks. You could read one of those, but anything thicker, like Lord of the Rings, you couldn't read in the spring. It'd be too happy for it. But comic books were perfect because they're nice and light and all that stuff. And uh, in those days, it's sad. It's sad now that comic books are four dollars, three to four dollars a piece because kids, you know, they don't walk around with you know fifty bucks. Yeah. But when you and I were kids, you know, if you had five dollars, you could buy a stack of comics. And I did every week. Sure. <laughs> every week, man, I, because they were like 20 cents. I could buy five for a dollar. That's 25 comics per week on a five dollar. And you could get five dollars. I had a, a paper route and I put the newspapers together for the, the local candy store. And he would pay me five dollars each day and a couple of dollars Eventually, it became five dollars on a Saturday night when I got fast. Um, so any one of those would take care of my uh, habit. So, you know, it's intake of story, intake, 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 and then it would, you know, my friend, like we mentioned, Roger. Hey, 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 get, hey, hey, get me this. Hey, oh, don't tell nobody. You know that. Yeah, right on the corner. Check this out. Yeah, he was like the corner lit salesman. Here you go, bro. <laughs> Illicit literature. Here you go. Yeah. Don't tell. Don't tell your mama where you got it. Wow. <laughs> um, and so it was all intake of story, 
and then you're mimicking what you love, right? Um, if I love the violin, you know, the violin or, or, you know, orchestral music, I would be pretending to play the violin or something, you know, but stories, especially, you know, once I uh, hit S.C. Hinton, and then once um, I started being able to draw badly, of course, well, because when you're little, right, you don't you don't start. Oh my God, he's exactly like Jack Kirby or Stranko or something like that. No, you draw. You know, it's it's kid stuff, right? And there's a great charm to those uh, uh, that work, you know. Um, and it it begins to evolve. And like uh, you know, me and my buddy made a, a our own superheroes. Oh yeah, rip- your own. Okay, right. A complete ripoff of Marvel superheroes. And that I, once we got into music, I drew all my friends in a band, and I was kind of into Kiss, but I was also reading Scarecrow comics, so that kind of got mixed together. So there was like a bass player who looked like the Scarecrow, and then all the different, you know. <laughs> so you know that's where all that stuff comes from, and and none of it is great. You know, when you first first write your first story, I did a comic strip of a. Um, I think it was a, a maggot or something that ate eight people, you know? Well, yeah, they do. Or, you know, yeah. uh, so it was how how that works scientifically, but drawn as a cartoon. And Miss Sweeney thought it was fantastic, and she put it up. And then, of course, because I grew up in the Bronx, everybody abused me, right? <laughs> yeah, so too, yeah. storytelling and, and art and all that stuff became a big secret if you were in the Bronx because, you know, hey, man, what are you doing? Uh, leave this guy. Leave this guy. Yeah, right. It's just sad, but true. Yeah. And that, that's what makes so many good storytellers and comedians and stuff like that come out of neighborhoods like that because of the pressure cooker, you know? You got to do it and, it's, and there's, like a, there's still a need. And, and that's what you discover that eventually... You can't not do it, and you start realizing, you? huh? Because it's expected of you. No, no, because you know. Again, I grew up in the Bronx in a neighborhood where, if you did anything, you got made fun of. Right. So, so nothing was expected of you except to be the brunt of jokes. Everybody, you know, everybody got the dozens, right? Yeah. So, um, but you said it got to a point where you cannot. Do it. You, right. Yeah. You know, if you're lucky, you'll find a teacher. So um, I used to bring stuff out. You know, I would paint, I would draw, I would bring stories out and it would, you know, my father was kind of, mm-hmm. and then he would want to point to the next thing. And my mother was like, and, and almost mocking because, you know, Irish mom. You know what to do with it. Yeah. So they didn't know. And then you'd, you'd find like Sweeney was a little encouraging. A couple of the people were encouraging. Um, and then uh, there was a priest in uh, my high school um, who said, you got to go to the Lit Magazine and write some of that stuff down there. And here's the school newspaper. And those, uh, those, the people who supervised that were positive. Not so always the students, because, again, you got Bronx people in there, you know. But the teachers were enough to keep, you know, pulling you along and, and that kind of stuff. Sure. Here, read this. Here, read that. And then I didn't really get, which is why I'm where I am now, rather than on the bestsellers list. I really didn't get a recognizable formal education on how to write. You would get encouraged, but not pointed here. This is, these are the rules, or this is um, a, a book about yeah. writing. I didn't discover that till after college. And I went to writing classes. And I had this great writing teacher. You'd be, I just, this story, man. Yeah. <laughs> ah, this story. All right, let's open it up to the class. What do you think? And eventually we just realized he never read any of the stories. Oh, my you know? God. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, then, oh, that's that's. <laughs> and then he would he would let the other class they couldn't wait to rip into each other. You know, it was like it was like cannibal class. And then you would that's where you would start learning. Oh, okay, all right, you know, and uh, 
and um, build up that way, you know. Um, and then in everything I dove into, I dove into it's like streaking across your neighborhood and diving into some neighbor's pool, pool yeah. stark naked. Knew nothing. Um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Rich Ramirez, late Rich Ramirez, uh, because he needed another, put me in place. I didn't know how to act. He thought I was funny, so he wanted me to write bits for him. Didn't know how to write bits. Uh, they formed a sketch comedy group. Uh, he tried to get me to, to be added into this one place um, because I was good at structure and I could throw in some uh, punchlines but structure was what they didn't have they would just mm-hmm. kind of meander and they couldn't finish any How scene old were you at this point? I probably was hanging on to the end of my 20s Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then maybe maybe I was like early 30s by the end of it I had kids so you know it was the early 30s I think the guy um, helped with that didn't she yeah, she was she was encouraging God bless her God no bless. I meant the kids having the kids part well that was you know yeah largely, largely you very proper point that out because you said you had kids I, you know I pitched the idea right but you know, yeah. she really developed it yeah. into the full tale that it is <laughs> A little bit more her than you, but okay, I got it. But wait, so, so you know, it's it's funny because you're talking about some of those things. I, you know, I think about my past, and again, you know, what encourages us to become writers, or what what causes us to even explore that, can can be like you were saying, a situation where you're uh, inspired by, or you're, it's almost like it pulls you along. You're enchanted by the things that you read, and you you want to uh, be a part of that. And I, you know, I was more visual and, and I think I was more of a TV kid than the reading. I read comic books for sure. Um, but you couldn't, you couldn't get me near a library more than maybe like four times in a year. <clears throat> and it was the strangest thing because, like I said, for, for like three months, wouldn't go anywhere near a library. School assignments, everything, <clears throat> a big fight. Then suddenly I get hit with this like library munchies. And I'd go into the library and I'd pull out like five books and I'd read them in like a week or so. And then you couldn't get me near the library again for months. It was, it was the strangest thing, but there's a period in my life where I was doing that. And then I eventually became conscious of the fact I was doing that. I was like, what is this about? But the, I was always reading comics. And I was always watching television. I was always watching movies. And even when I was like 12, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, I would watch foreign films. And, you know, which made my friends think, what, what is wrong with you? You know, I would watch foreign films, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for a little bit more foreign. Um, I discovered Sophia Loren at 12. She wasn't 12. I was. And so I watched Italian movies that had nothing to do with, with gunfights and westerns and things like that. I watched it because Sophia was in it. I watched um, a couple of Sophia Loren movies and then... You, know, you are a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least you wish you were. Um, you know, but I, I watched some Japanese films. Rashomon, I watched at 13, 12 or 13. And there wasn't a kid in my school who knew what the heck I was talking about. You know, but something about that, and I say all that to say that something about the films, the comics, the TV shows that I, I favored... There was something in the stories that pulled me in, and there was something in certain characters that pulled me in. And I wanted to visit them again and again and again. With the TV shows in particular, you want to go back and go back and go back and see what they go through the next time. With the movies, you know, we didn't have VHS. We didn't have Blockbuster. We didn't have streaming. So you had to watch Channel 9 or Channel 11 for whenever they ran that movie which some of them were holiday movies. You only saw them once a year. But, you know, there was something about the stories or the characters that pulled me in, and I wanted to be there. And once I was there in the film or in the story, I was, like, caught up in it. And then you imagine yourself as part of that, or you imagine yourself in the hero position. And then once the movie's over, you finish the comic, 
then I would like, well, I want the adventure to continue. So then I'm starting to write or draw, like you, also mm -hmm. draw myself into that kind of situation. And you do that enough that you do start to collect one or two buddies, maybe a teacher or two, who becomes aware of what you're doing. And if you're fortunate, someone says, ooh, that's good. Or they, they show a real interest, a genuine interest. And now you got now you're not only doing it for yourself, but you want you want that acknowledgement. You want to share it with that other person. So it was that kind of experience that pulled me along. And one of the things that just came to me as we were discussing this topic uh, just before the show was I started to remember that I had two really good friends when I was in junior high, Michael and Angel, and we used to make these little home movie adventures because there was this buddy. Um, of, of uh, Mike's mom who had a camera, a movie camera, an 8-millimeter movie camera. That was rare to find anybody who had it. You know. And so he would come and film us sometimes doing these wild adventures. So we had um, Batman and Robin, where we made our own costumes. Right? I didn't get to play either of the heroes. I was always the villain, all right, because that was it. <laughs> I was a pudgy kid. I didn't look cool in the bat suit. I was not going to be running around in little green shorts. You, know, you, didn't want that. you didn't want that. So I was midnight. I was the scary. Ladies and gentlemen, right in. How many of you would like to see Alex right now in little green shorts? <laughs> yes. Don't you dare, folks. Don't you dare. Okay. It's but Valentine's Day. day. It's a day of romance. Yeah. We can make your dreams come true. <laughs> Not me in little green shorts. No, 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 no. Anyway, uh, where I'm going with this is uh, because because Michael and Angel and I, you know, again, making our own films, our own stories, I started writing something called The Blind Alley Kids. And I wrote, those were my first, I realized this this morning, those were my first screenplays. Wow. You know, The Blind Alley Kids for a little 8-millimeter movie. You know, sorry. And then we did write, I did write, one Batman and Robin movie that we shot in Central Park. You know, other than that, you know, but I realized, my God, that's my first screenplay. Son of a gun. So you just never know where that spark is going to take you. But for me, once I started writing story ideas down, you know, I might collect them in a notebook or whatever and put the notebook away, um, I, I could never quite forget about it. And eventually that led into my acting, because, you know, you act out sometimes what you're going to write, but right. that got me into acting. And so when I graduated high school, I started auditioning for things. And I got into a few plays, and for about 10, 10 15 years, I did acting. And even then... You're creating characters. You're somebody else has written the stories, but you're getting into their heads. You're you're saying, what's the history of this character that's not in the play? Because that feeds you information on how to portray the character. So I would do that, and then I got me back into writing because there weren't a lot of plays for black actors that weren't either street stuff or angry black men, men you know, militant or ex-slaves or slaves. It was like those are only three character, uh, three categories. So I started writing more material and wound up writing a Sherlock Holmes play with black characters in it and a few other things. And it just sort of blossomed. The ideas would come, and I just kept giving myself more and more permission to write. And as you said, um, also prior to the beginning of the show, at some point you recognize, you realize, you come to know what you don't know. That's a big moment. Yeah. That's a big moment. And when you when you get there and you're okay with it, right? Yeah. So a lot of us go through a period when we're defensive about it. Exactly. But when you're when you're like, okay, you know, because the real secret there is that recognizing how much you don't know is the is the on ramp to wisdom and and to mastery, right? So um, and we never we never get off that. We're always Ignorant yeah. and learning, right? Well, like you said, but you got to be okay with that in order to actually begin to grow. When when did you when did you recognizably um start experiencing 
learning the craft? I would I would say, and it's it's probably late in my my writing life. Even though last was, Tuesday, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was actually in in my thirties. Um, I had written the Sherlock Holmes play, mm-hmm. and I had originally written it with me with the idea of me playing one of the characters. No, not Sherlock. Um, again, it was a, because he doesn't look good in the Sherlock outfit. Actually, I look wonderful in it, but that's but, not the point. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yeah. if you'd like to see Sherlock, uh, Alex Simmons in a full Sherlock Holmes outfit, comment below. You got a better chance of seeing that than the little green shorts. But anyway, <laughs> uh, there's a lot I, of people going little green shorts. <laughs> I have a Sherlock Holmes play called Sherlock Holmes in the Hands of Othello. And the storyline revolved around the actual real life family of a real black actor named Ira Aldridge from the 1800s, uh, an American uh, black actor who went over to Europe and actually became a continental success. So I took what happened to him and his family and turned it into, with some other elements, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. And I had written that with the idea of portraying one of the roles, either of the, there's a ghost in it, uh, of Ira. I was either going to play him or I was going to play uh, a black actor who is now involved in the case that involves Ira's death and his family uh, named Thomas Kane. So I said I was either going to play either of these roles. So I was writing this play with the idea that I was going to get to be in the Sherlock Holmes play. And we were, I think I'd probably written, I was probably in my third draft of the play. And I was also acting in a play in New Hampshire. And so I arranged a reading of the play with some of the actors in the show that I was doing. And I'm sitting there at this reading and I realize this needs work, more work, and not as the actor who can't wait to get on stage and do it. There's a responsibility here to get this right as a writer and I have to finally accept that that's what I'm doing that I am a writer working on this play, not an actor knocking out some writing so I have something to portray. And that, big difference that between... was the starting point. I never, I never got to portray... There was a number of productions of this show. I've never gotten to act in it. There's a big difference between being an actor who writes and a writer who acts. Yeah, yeah. and they are definitely two totally separate skill sets. Mm-hmm. I um I learned that I needed to learn, you know, that I learned that I when you know what you don't know, um after my first screenplay. I was a reporter in the Bronx and um remember Danny Aiello? Mm-hmm. So Danny Aiello by the way, folks, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about. Um, moonlighting among many others. Yeah. Uh, very but, unique um, looking man too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he, he looked like an every man, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he kind of looked like a, an isn't old he, version. Isn't of, he in the, the Spike Lee film? Um, uh, the right uh, thing. He's the pizza yeah, owner. The right thing. He's, he's he the owner. Pizza right. So um, we got a call. He's going to be talking to students at Columbus High School. So it was perfect for me. It was the day after the last issue came out. Dockets uh, uh, empty. I ran over there with camera, took a picture of him and this huge guy. And uh, Dang does all the talk. He introduces, the huge guy introduces, and Dang does all the talking. Wrote the story, never you know, page five, eight story, you know, not a feature, you know. So that issue comes out, and it's out about two or three weeks. And the door slams open. We had this street level store, and then you'd run up about 30 steps. Or walk up. Uh, if you're older and doing an ad, you'd be growing <laughs> up. Um, and then there was the office, right? There's an old Bronx Press Review office. Um, and here you grand circle in the Bronx. Uh, so the door slams open. Where is he? And he boom, 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 boom. Someone's coming up the stairs. And we're like, oh. And, you know, these office staff look at me because I had a tendency to be controversial. <laughs> so, uh, boom. It's the guy who was with Ayala. Yo, what a great story. Everybody relaxed and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> they, they let the air out of their lungs. Yeah. Somehow this guy 
got in his mind that from that I could write a screenplay for him and just, you know, wouldn't, and I was interested by it and hadn't started anything. Right. So he pitched me this idea. Um, it was kind of a Romeo and Juliet in Chinatown. And he even got me to go and get tours of like the underground in Chinatown um, um, with members of the ghost shadows. Oh, in the, in the, they have kind of like, what looked like little rice patties under the restaurants in the basements. There's little oh. squares of, you know, water and supposed to be rice under there and all that sort of stuff. And um, the two ghost shadows. It's just me and the two ghost shadows and darkness and these little pools. And they go, you know, uh, that guy, uh, he didn't pay us yet. Oh, snap. We need to get paid. And I said, well, listen, if you're looking for me to get paid, you know, me to pay you, you know, get in line because I'm behind you guys. I never got paid and I've been doing all this work. I'm coming to see you guys. I'm on my fourth draft. And I'm... finally, they did a reading with actors. They had ILO. They had a few others and they ripped it apart oh. because I had like a monologue before ILO that was three pages long because I didn't know. <laughs> but once I got the feedback, because he was still defending, he was like, yeah, but the story really moves and this is that. Hilarious. Um, but when I got the feedback, he thinks he's saying, look at how terrible these people were. But I was like, oh, all right, you can't do that. Oh, oh, wait, wait, there's another one. And it was this hunger. It was kind of a revelation. that, oh, oh, I want to know the rules. And then I went out and started looking, you know, asking, what books can I get? What that? And then that's, you know, it was self-education. You know, Sid Field and Robin McKee and all that sort of stuff. But my real writing education began when I went to Rutgers, Newark. And I, uh, I, I, I'm ashamed that I forgot her name at the moment, but uh, she was published author. Uh, really, uh, one of her things had become, one of her short stories had become a novella, had become a HBO uh, series. So, oh, wow, real, you know. And it was the first person from that world. I mean, we, we did the stand late, but it's a whole different thing. That said, okay, I'll talk to you seriously about your work. Mm. And that's really important, you know, uh, getting someone, you know, getting in that situation to say, okay, here's what I see you need to work on. That's, that's where you hit the gold, you know. Um, I wish there was also courses where you could go and they would talk about, okay, you know, we're going to develop one story and we're going to send it out. And the second part of the class is going to be, all right, what do you do? How do you send it out? How, what, what should it look like? You know, teach all of that, send it out. What do you do while you're waiting to hear back? You know, all that, you know, and then how, what do you do with it when it comes back? You know, most of the time rejected, you turn around, you send it to somewhere else. All of those, those basic building skills, of the industry would be a really valuable course. So all of you who are out there aspiring, emerging writers and all that stuff, we hear you. We feel you, yo. We feel you. He's touching his chest, folks. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. Um, and we're all looking for that. There's a, there are a ton of books and stuff. Um, there's a couple of uh, sources. Victoria Weisfield was from... Um, MWA. She mentioned one. I asked the question like that to get out that information from these veterans. And she mentioned uh, Ally, which is Alliance of Independent Authors. And they have, it's a pay site. You know, you pay if you're a first year writer or if you're a little more professional or you've put out a couple of books. But the resources they have for independent publishing and for professional life really in education. So, you know, you learn like that. And I and look at me, I'm 1,500 years old. And you just learn that. So if, keep if learning. Right. If you're a day. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of coming on to the, towards the end of our, our, of the episode here. So we have a couple of things we just need to talk about. Yes, that's right. Every now and then the episode, we, we have to stop talking. We didn't, but we, we, we failed. We we never fail. We failed to discuss. Yes. What the vision? Yes, we did 
fail to mention WandaVision so we can do it quickly. We have to do it quickly. And then we're going to talk about live, us, next yes. week, and some other yeah, Very quickly, WandaVision. And we're going to name the winner. The Episode winner the- 6. So, WandaVision, go for it. Episode 6, the plot thickens. It certainly the, did. The, the sitcom the aspect becomes almost the background. The, the drama, the under, the subti- subtext all starts rising. Yes. It's going to hit the fan. And I think it's going to start hitting the fan with 7, 8, and then 9. What's wonderful is we still have a million questions. Yep. Yeah, that's quick. Yeah. What you that was very say about nice it, bro? I will say very quickly that the family sat and watched episode six. All of us sat there. And there were two wonderful reactions. One, which, again, no spoilers. We don't do that. One is the last five, six minutes. What happens in the last five, six minutes? Everybody's going, damn! Okay, so there was that. And then there was, this is priceless. The episode ends, the, the credits are, are rolling up, and I hear one of my offsprings go, you mean we got to wait until next week? <laughs> I said, yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> this is what TV used to be like, right? It's and it's great. Episodes to get used to that, but I really like that now. Yes, because as you put it, but we're not going to talk about it now, we'll talk about it next week, uh, the water cooler thing, you know, was it, now we got stuff to talk about. And we got time to talk about it before we find out what happens next. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Tell us what you think. Yes, please do. So, and then here's more important. You can tell us what you think by writing in, or you can join us next week, which is February 21st, Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time yeah. on Facebook as well as... Facebook you know, Live. Yeah, Facebook Live, because... I started to say as well as, but you can always listen to the episode later. But it's more fun if you're there with us live, because we're going to be live. That's right. We're going to be coming to you live. You'll actually be able to see us do all this silly. Yeah, that's a scary thought, right, folks? You'll be able to come. Yeah, you know, with that face. Yeah, scary thoughts, folks. (laughs) Next Sunday, February 21st, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be on Facebook Live. Look at Facebook throughout the week. We have a Tell the Damn Story page. Um, also, my page, uh, Alex Simmons, uh, and then Chris Ryan. Chris page. Ryan, author. Chris Ryan, author, did you say? Author. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted to say so they understand what you're saying. Chris Ryan, author, Alex Simmons, right, on Facebook, and also Tell the Damn Story on Facebook. We'll be advertising, promoting the, the Facebook Live on the 21st. All of this coming week, you'll Can be able mention? to know where to go to find us. So there's Can that. Yes. So, and Can you can yes. actually tell us what you think then, you see, because you can yeah. be live, you can comment. And I will not be wearing green shorts. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Little, little green shorts. Not half. Not half. Yes. So that's- if you so vote, it will happen. <laughs> Dream on. Nightmare City. Uh, um, and guest star. Yes, guest star. Mr. Cassine Gaines, author of... Well, he's author of many not books, a non-fiction author, pop culture author, but his new book, his upcoming book, is called Footnotes. Yes. And it's about a very little-known uh, moment in Broadway history where there was a huge hit, black, written, produced, casted, success story. What happened to it and all that stuff is going to be in footnotes. Yeah, and he's in a fascinating book. But he, I mean, he does. I mean, he did uh, Back to the Future. He did Pee Wee Herman. He did The Christmas Story. He did um, uh, The Dark Crystal. I see it right here. The Dark yeah. Crystal. Yeah, it's very no That's Dark Crystal. That's what well, he said. Dark yeah. Crystal. He's, so he's got a bunch of books. He will be here to talk about his new book as well as, yes, he can talk about all those other books. And how he interviewed many of the stars of the films yeah. he did these books about. So you can learn some. And ask him about Howard the Duck. He wrote a great article. Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie. Okay. That movie, believe it or not, he loves that movie. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I, I have to admit, quiet as it's kept, it didn't turn my stomach either. But I know most people hate the film. 
Uh, it was not well, a I'm, I'm film, a big fan me, of the Steve Gerber series. That's it what was I love. amusing. It was amusing, and I forget the name of the actress who played the love interest, but I you know mm. at that point she looked good to me. So anyway, uh, so that's oh, let me say it again just for clarity. February 21st, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell the damn story on Facebook Live. Chris, myself, and Kasim Gaines will be here. Okay. Google them. It just there's only one Kasim. You'll get it right away. Right. Google it. Okay. So now the next thing is on the 19th of February. That's next Friday. I'll be doing my second webinar, my Writer's Way. Rep webinar. That's trying to say that six times fast. Writer's Way webinar. Uh, so I'll be doing the second one of those because the first one was this past Friday. Where um, an Elmer Fudd moment. some of the wonderful people who came and attended that turned in plot ideas for stories, for stories that they would like to write. And we collected all of them. We collected more than six. We collected all of them, got them together, and then I shot them over to the, the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge, Mr. Chris Ryan. Mr. Chris Ryan read through all of them, and he picked a winner. Now, Chris, I'm going to let you say what you said earlier. You can say it now so that they will hear it from your lips and not mine. I had nine or ten uh, entries, and then it got to be six finalists, and a semi-finalist, and then it got to be four finalists. And it was... Um, there's a lot of great stories here. A lot of great stories. Um, they're at different levels of evolution. One rule of thumb is you got to proofread um, and make sure it makes sense that it, what is on the page is what you want on the page. And um, I did curse out uh, Mr. Simmons this morning, pre-dawn, because I had four finalists and they were so neck and neck because they are in different genres but they are really promising in each of those genres now how much more do you want me to say <laughs> I don't know I'm not sure where to go here. I'll stop you <laughs> uh, analyze all of them because we, we don't have that much time but yeah I... so if uh, just the, the the winner yeah yeah because we'll right, talk so, about the others at at the second webinar on Friday the 19th. I, I would love to talk to yeah. Leo about their piece and all that sort of okay. stuff. So the authors who were there at webinar one, be there for webinar two because Mr. Ryan will guest star. He will pop up and he will talk up a storm. Okay. But for now. Okay. So edging out four great finalists. One of them had to win, so nobody feel bad because that always that part always sucks. The reject part, you know. And uh, I learned this week: don't self reject. Don't. Oh, this sucks. I'm never going to send it out. Nah, 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 nah. You'll find the person. Just have to search for the person who loves your story as much as you. Yeah, don't worry. Find your own. But this one, while it's not written as a horror thriller. It horrified me in a way where I wanted to read this entire thing. And I hope the person is open to that because the idea that he or she has, I, I asked for no author names, so I don't know the gender That's of anybody. Right. I was going to point that out. I, I, there are no names attached to him. When I sent it to him, he had no idea who wrote what, not their right. name, not their gender, nothing. It was, um, it was horrifying to me in a way where I ran to my wife, the goddess, and said this, and then I said, what if it happened to you? And she said, and it was wonderful. And uh, we, we were so excited by the idea that we started thinking about, you know, uh, Chris Nolan's brother wrote a short story for Esquire called Memento Mori that Chris Nolan then developed and made into a movie Memento. And that's adjacent to it but not exactly the same, which is exactly what Hollywood wants. They want uniquely familiar. And there's a book out called Una Out of Order, you, uh, again, adjacent. So she's got this, or he's got this arena uh, that is touched on every once in a while, and people love it, but it's not overdone. So fantastic. And this one, again, unique, 
horrifying, full of potential. It edged out. I was this excited for all of them. And we won't tell you Winner. what the actual plot is because that's this person's plot, and we're gonna you know leave it for right. them. But so I no disrespect anyone, but I'm gonna hold the you know out of respect for privacy and trademark and copyright. I'm not gonna say the plot, but the name of it, the name of the winner, the name of the winner, the, the winner that yeah. just edged out the others because everything was so great. Personality, like personality, but personality. I'd love to talk to you about it. Fantastic. Congratulations. That uh, is well done. Um, you know, all of them, all of them, you should jump into uh, continuing developing it with uh, the webinars that uh, Professor Simmons here is uh, offering. And, oh, man, there is so much potential here. Uh, as you can see, I have books on books on books. But I will make room for your books because that's <laughs> baby, 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 baby. So here's all right. Congratulations. Here's, yeah, congratulations. Birthinality. That's that's the winner. That's the winner. Uh, for everybody who entered the competition, please be there at webinar at the Writers Way webinar next Friday the nineteenth. So Chris will stop by and he'll be happy to talk to you in a little bit more. Seven p.m. Seven p.m. Where, where can they sign up? It, I'm gonna say I'm gonna get there. Okay. So, so it's again, it's uh, the Writer's Way webinar, 7 p.m., February the 19th. And it's a Zoom uh, experience. Uh, you can find. Because we link. love them. Yes, you, you can find the link on, on my page, on uh, Alex Simmons. On, uh, you're also going to find the link on the Tell the Damn Story page. That will be there. That will, that will pop in there this afternoon, Sunday. Uh, it will pop in there. And also, you will find it. I maybe Mr. Ryan will put it on Chris Ryan author's page, because uh, he will, as I said, he will he will pop in there. But you will be able to find the link on Facebook and also on Instagram. You'll see postings for it uh, from yours truly. So again, one more time, it is February nineteenth, uh, Friday, seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be there on the webinar. All of you who contributed to the competition, you'll get some feedback on it. Please, please, please uh, know that your ideas really came in and really did. Because we don't, we don't snow people. We just don't do that. So if we got excited about them, that means the potential is there, and you should keep on keeping on. That's for sure. I will also say that um, one of the reasons we're doing the webinars, I'm doing the webinars, is that it's a great way for people to get a chance to see how I teach, you know, get some of the tips and things that I share, which lead to my mystery and suspense thriller Boot Camp, which is coming up at the end of this month, uh, the 24th of February through the 28th. That's called Now's the Time to Write the Crime. And the cart for that opens today. That's also out there on Facebook. And you can find that on my page and a few others. So uh, just know that here we are. We, we have now named the winner of the competition. We have named that the webinar is going to be there on the 19th, and you can be there and, and, and enjoy yourself and learn some, some cool writing uh, tips. And then I've got to... You know what they want? Coming. You know, what, you know what the writer won? Yes. The writer won a full-size cardboard cutout of Alex Simmons in little green shorts. No. What did they... What did they win? What did the writer win? Actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because the winner of this competition... I mentioned the boot camp. Uh, which is a paid experience, right? It's coming up at the end of this month. The writer of the story idea, Birthinality, has just won a free registration to that. So instead of having, he's going to get to take that, that course for free. It's four days. Uh, there's a lot of good information in that. So he's going to get, he's going to win that. And we're going to do it again. I'm going to do another competition. So keep your ears open, folks, because I'm going to give you folks another shot, another shot. And that means that's going to have to be in. But, you know, that's going to have to be in by the, the 19th at midnight. But uh, there'll be information on that on our February. I'm sorry, on our February, on our Facebook page. There'll be information on the next competition. So go to Facebook. Look for me. Look for Simmons here and now. Look for Tell the Damn Story. You'll find all the information there. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Also, I'll put some information right here, too. So, if, you know, in the this is Let him go, ladies and gentlemen. Alex Simmons, the legend, 
the cyclone. There he is. Cyclone <laughs> of creativity. That's Alex Simmons. Chris, Chris, as always, a wild and wonderful pleasure. <laughs> see, see you always a pleasure, sir. And, and see you next next Friday. Uh, again, everybody be there. And um, thank you for joining us. And, and please write in with your comments and all that. N- no, I'm not wearing the little green shorts, but you can always hope. You know? okay. Chris, what do you got to say? I say, if you don't wear the green shorts, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep your distance. <laughs> Strange, these earthlings. Take care, everybody. <laughs> and again, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Peace and love.